from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. We have Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, here with us, and we'll be continuing that discussion on the college football playoff that we have started already here this morning. With that being said, let's bring him in. Mike, how you doing today? Good morning, Dan. How you doing? Hope all's well. I'm doing well, and, and Mike, I know that to say that you're waking up this morning frustrated, confused, and probably not any of the good emotions, I can more than understand that. I feel it watching this. I feel it for Cincinnati. I feel it for Texas A&M. So I'm kind of just going to broad scope open the door this morning and say, what was your initial reaction to the decision by the committee to include the teams that they chose? Alabama Clemson obviously makes sense, but to choose uh, Notre Dame, choose as well Ohio State, uh, meaning that Cincinnati was left off the board. Yeah, Dan, and thanks for letting me you know, discuss it. Um, the issue, it's, it's not about denigrating any, any teams. You know, I, you, you want to first say that, you know, I don't, it's not a question of criticizing other teams. It's a question of fairness and trying to compare resumes and determining whether a team like Cincinnati, you know, should have a shot and, and whether it, it really did have any reasonable shot. Now, you know, the last few weeks have been extremely frustrating for us yeah. because we thought Cincinnati was, was in a position poised to, uh, to make a leap. Right. And had they been ranked where we thought they should have been, which is, is probably five, you know, uh, to be honest, when I look at these other teams, and, and I see an undefeated Cincinnati, and we've had, this is our third, Dan, undefeated team in four years in this conference uh, that has played a representative schedule, uh, did everything asked of them. And, and a couple of things trouble me. One, you know, Notre Dame has had a good season. Uh, they had the, the win over Clemson. But, you know, again, in the old BCS, people were, you know, critical because, for example, uh, at the uh, end of uh, one season, Nebraska lost to uh, Colorado 65-35. And then another time, uh, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State 35-7. And they still got into the national championship game, and people felt that those those results should have been you know, a disqualifier. Now, you can look at Notre Dame and you can say, okay, they've now been, you know, you know, soundly defeated by Clemson, which had its full team. It had its, its defensive players back. It had its quarterback. Uh, do they, you know, not being undefeated, do they deserve to be in? I don't know. Let's let's leave that up. You know, it's, it's a reasonable debate, okay? And now, would I like to see an undefeated Cincinnati there instead? Yes. And do I think they can play with those teams? Absolutely. Um, then I, I really have an issue. You have Ohio State playing six games all of six games, five regular season games, and not against what you would call stellar competition. I think probably four of those six teams had a losing record, 
and the other two, uh, while they're they're good teams, no, nobody would argue that they are powerhouses, and 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 they struggled with the two teams that actually you know have have, have good records, uh, and yet they're in because of, of their brand and their name, and and, and it troubles me that uh, you can play that few games, and and they just they 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 decided to do that, and people say, well, don't penalize them because of the pandemic. Well, then. It's not a question of penalizing them, but why are you penalizing teams that played the full season and, and were undefeated and, and endured an entire season, risked losing more, risked injury, risked wear and tear, you know, uh, had to deal with the, the pandemic the entire season, and, and someone else can start up at the beginning, essentially late October, beginning of November, miss, miss three of their eight games. And yet every week when Cincinnati, Cincinnati missed a couple of games at the end, they were dropped each time. Uh, think about that. And, uh, and then you get into somebody like A&M, uh, which is a nice team, but, you know, struggled to, to beat Vanderbilt, uh, you know, lost to Alabama, gave up 52 points. Well, okay, why not give Cincinnati a shot to see if they can give up fewer than 52 points? I mean, they do have – a terrific defense and uh you know again i think that uh, that's that's a legitimate question and then you have the really egregious situations that i think shows where this committee is coming from unfortunately and that is you uh you have uh it seems like they took the opportunity every week to jump somebody above cincinnati and, you know, whether it was Iowa State, which made no sense to me, you know, losing by 17 points at home. And uh, and, and then once they lose their championship game, oh, the team that beats them, which also has two losses, including one to Kansas State. And I, you can check Kansas State's record this year, uh, which also lost to Arkansas State, which was, was beaten soundly. Arkansas State was beaten soundly by our Memphis team. Uh, if you, you look at that situation, then and Oklahoma jumps over. Cincinnati. In addition, you had Florida ahead of Cincinnati. They lose to a team that was uh, three and five at the time. You know, completely depleted. Uh, you know, LSU, and they don't drop more than one spot. And then they play Alabama. They they give up fifty points. Yes, they ended up making it a close game, but they lost again. So they have three losses now, and they're still ahead of an undefeated Cincinnati. Uh, and you you say to yourself, you know, th- this team really Cincinnati wasn't respected by the committee, despite what they say, and they can say whatever they want, but clearly that's just it's 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 almost patronizing. Yeah, we, we respect Cincinnati, nice team, but see you fellas, and and that's sort of where you are. You know, you you don't really have, and and there are two aspects to this that I think are, are worth mentioning. One is the um, the G5 business, we, I think the G5 teams should have a better shot at this, not just us, but I do think we've been separated as a, as a conference, and I think that's not really accepted by the, the committee. They say the right things to us, but this conference has, has done really, really well, and this conference is like, in many respects, like a P5, and we just don't have the branding right now. Uh, we've. This is now our sixth New Year's Day game in eight years. The first one we had still had the automatic bid back in 2013. But even if we hadn't, UCF would have gotten it at, at you know 11 and one or whatever they were. And ended up 12 and one when they um, 
they soundly beat Baylor in the um, Fiesta Bowl, and Baylor had, had ripped their way through the Big 12. And, and here this year, the Big 12 is getting all this respect, but they had the three losses to the Sun Belt early in the season. This, no one's arguing this has been a stellar season for the Big 12. And incidentally, Tulsa, even without Zayvon Collins in the second half because he was cramping up, was leading Oklahoma State at the half and went ahead of them late in the game and had a penalty, uh, a motion penalty, and it cost, cost them the touchdown and would have given them the lead. Uh, they missed a short field goal, and then it was 13-7 at the very end. They had a, a last drive, and they unfortunately shot themselves in the foot. And they had, I think they, they, you know, again, they had had issues with, with COVID before they could play. As you know, that game was postponed a week. And, and Zayvon Collins, again, was cramping up in the second half. He was a terror in the first half. I think he had eight tackles. So Oklahoma State was competitive with everybody in the Big 12, as you know. And at one point, they had a chance to win it. And here's Tulsa, our team, you know, playing them dead even on the road um, and, and easily could have won the game. That's a very good Tulsa team. And, and its offense improved as the season went on. So they, they, the fact that they gave Cincinnati a good game is no surprise. It's a big, tough, physical team. They play terrific defense. They, uh, you know, they, they can run the ball. You know, their quarterback, when uh, you saw him make some throws that, uh, you know, really made, made a difference in that game in, in very bad conditions, really unfortunate conditions for everyone, but that happens. Uh, but Cincinnati gets no credit for that. And in our league, you know, again, this is now uh, the fifth time in this, in this uh, you know, G5 uh, lottery, really, where we, we played on New Year's Day because we've had the best team. And we don't, we don't get credit, I think, for being a really competitive conference. You know, when Cincinnati played a lot of those teams they played this year, they were either in the top 25 or they had been in the top 25. And, you know, not everyone stays there and people get hit by injuries and other things. Also, Cincinnati's 9-0. They played a full season. Yes, they missed a couple of games at the end. They ran into the COVID trouble that everybody's had. But when you compare, you know, their resume, I, I think it stands up. And I, I just think this is evidence that, it looked like the committee took every opportunity to jump a team over them every time somebody won, every time somebody won a game. And they made, they made a big fuss about the two wins that Iowa State had. And, and I watched the championship games. I didn't see anything special, Dan. You know, I, I watched the uh, part, you know parts of the Northwestern-Ohio State game, and I watched parts of the um, you know Iowa State-Oklahoma game, and then I watched our game, and I don't see any difference. You know, uh, I really don't. So, again, I, I think it's a question of you now have to philosophically look at this. And the committee, by the way, it clearly doubled down. Despite the, the massive criticism it got the last two weeks, and it was unanimous pretty much, it was almost universal, and it was massive, they doubled down. They did the same thing they were doing the previous weeks. Oklahoma wins a, a close game over Iowa State, which didn't belong where they were with the two losses, one at home by 17 points. And Oklahoma's got two losses, including one to Kansas State. And they and they end up ahead of, of, of Cincinnati. It was like, let's take every opportunity to put any team that wins, because it has a P5 name, and it plays in what Pat Forty calls the P5 echo chamber, just playing each other. Let's put them ahead of, of Cincinnati. And, and, you know, and that's really the, the crux of it. I think, uh, you know, you could argue about other aspects of this and, and whether, you know, they're, they're paying enough attention to, uh, you know, to our teams. And, look, you could make a case that Coastal Carolina should have been higher. You could, have make, you could make a case for Louisiana being higher. Uh, they're the ones that beat uh, Iowa State at their place. 
it also comes down to uh, why play the games? Why do you play the games if you don't care about the results? If you just say, well, yeah, that team beat the other team, but we, we just think the team they beat is better. Uh, you know, it, what's the point? What is the point of playing the games? This is about competition. This is about, you know, upward mobility. This is about having a chance to prove it on the field. And here it's, well, uh, yeah, you know, even Notre Dame may have been, you know, you know, blasted out of the building by, by Clemson, but well, we think they're good. And, and yet, you know, their resume, while it's, it's good, they did play, it did, again, the schedule, if you look at the, a lot of the teams they played, our teams, Cincinnati would beat every one of those teams. And Cincinnati would have beaten every team, I believe, that, the, that, that Ohio State played. And Cincinnati has a 9-0 record, and Cincinnati has an elite defense that a little rust because of the um, the layoff. I don't think there's much question about that. And by the way, that's probably something the committee the committee has given P5 teams a lot of benefit of the doubt, as you know. Uh, well, you know, he didn't have this player or the the body clock thing one year, remember, and, and other things. But in our case, our teams never get that benefit. And you know if Cincinnati had lost, they'd have dropped six or eight spots. Florida can lose two straight games, and yes, one of them is against Alabama. I, I get that. But so what? you still got to win your games, and they don't drop virtually at all. So I, I think, again, we've talked about double standards. I think it's reached a tipping point. But what, what concerns me is the committee doubled down. They, they just don't care about what I think is legitimate criticism about what they're doing. And uh, when you, when you, the, the chair's explanations are unsatisfying. I don't think this situation is defensible. It, and I'll say, you know, I'll be, I'm not afraid to say it. It's not a, it's not a playoff. You can call it what you want, but it's a P5 Invitational, and it involves the same teams pretty much every year because we think they're the best teams. We just happen to think because of Ohio State's brand and Ohio State's name that they can play five regular season games. Uh, four of them against competition that and, you know any of our teams would have beaten in all likelihood uh, this year. This is not the normal Big Ten, you know that. It's not a normal Penn State team without Micah Parsons and some of the people that opted out. Uh, you know uh, whether it's Nebraska, whether it's others. In fact, Cincinnati would have had a shot at Nebraska, and I would have loved to have seen that. Cincinnati was really looking forward to that. They were able to schedule Army, and Army did not score an offensive touchdown. Um, and Army is a good team, uh, nine and two, I believe, this year. But you know that. So Dan, you know, again, I appreciate your your show always gives me a chance to to talk about you know this and you're you're up to, to speed on everything and um you know it's it's been a hectic period for us you know we we're doing what we can but it, the frustrating part is you just don't seem to be able to get through to this committee and and and, and by the way this isn't new we've we've dealt with this for years and years now we dealt with it with with houston back in 15 when they were ranked 18th and they were 10 and 0 and, and they had you know, how many players that they put into the NFL of 27 players when they played Temple uh, on the field between Temple and Houston, who are now in the NFL and, and their names like Tyler Matakavich and Hassan Reddick and William Jackson and Landon Roberts of Houston and, and Greg Ward of Houston and all the other great players that they had. And uh, they, they, they were ranked 18th. Uh, you know, I don't even know what their final ranking was. And then in, in 2000, and oh yes, they, they did lose a game to, uh, to UConn uh, when Greg Ward didn't play. 
they, they, they kept him out on purpose because they needed him for Navy the following week. We had a really strong conference that year, as we do now. Uh, we had three undefeated teams at one point, Temple, Memphis, and uh, Houston. You remember Memphis beating uh, Ole Miss after Ole Miss had beaten uh, Alabama. And, you know, in, in that year, uh, if, if when Clem, you know, Clemson lost to Syracuse, shocking loss, remember, a few years ago? Yep. Nothing, nothing happened. Ended up in the playoff. In Houston's case, you, you drop out of sight. You know, even though Houston had a, had a terrific year, a really good team. Uh, in 2017, you had the great undefeated team, UCF. They never got higher than 12. Uh, and in 2018, when Mackenzie Milton was, was playing, obviously losing him at the end hurt. Uh, but they were, uh, they, I, they may have made it to eight. I don't know. I don't know if they ever got as high as six. But the point is they were never in a position to be in the playoff, even though even Paul Feinbaum, and Paul's an old friend of mine, and he's a great guy, and he's been you know, nice enough to give me a forum, as you know, which helped ignite this debate, as you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was on his show. Uh, even Paul, who, who had pretty much been skeptical initially, you know, and Paul's got an open mind, said, look, if this team can do it again, you know, because it, it, it's playing P5 teams, it's got good competition in a good league, then, then put them in the playoff. But the committee had no intention of doing that, even though, you know, they were undefeated a second straight year. Uh, now, granted, at the, the committee, you know, was let off the hook because when McKenzie got hurt, it wasn't the same team. Um, but let's say he hadn't been. Would they still have been in the playoff? I doubt it based on where they had him ranked. So this is not new. This has been going on. What's happened this year is you have a perfect storm. Uh, the, 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 the decisions have been so obvious and so egregious. The Iowa State thing shocked everyone. Oh, Cincinnati didn't play a game. Uh, they only missed two games. Ohio State had, had played one game since November 21st and played a grand total of five games. You don't see Ohio State dropping. You didn't see uh, uh, A&M drop when they didn't have a game this week, uh, or a week ago, rather. You didn't see Florida drop when they had their COVID issues, and, and they had. I think they missed a couple of games. Whether they made them up or not, I don't even know. Point is, other teams had these issues all season, and they didn't drop. But Cincinnati... Yes, let's drop them. Let's let's put a two-loss team ahead of them, even if that two-loss team. Had, if if we had a loss to Kansas State with their record this year, do you think Cincinnati would be in anybody's conversation? No. Do you think if they lost seventeen by seventeen points at home to Louisiana, they would be in anybody's conversation? Do you think if they lost to a three-five LSU team that was completely depleted, playing a quarterback who had never even played, do you think that they would uh, they would have uh, stayed where they were? Uh, do you think that if they gave up 52 points to Alabama, even if even if they scored points, and you know again, it never seemed for most of the time that the game was in doubt. I guess I didn't watch it, but I, it was 35-17 at one point, and then you know it got close, and then Alabama went up what 45-31, and then it got close again. The point is, would they have been given the benefit of the doubt? No, it's very likely they would not have been. So let's just apply the same standard to everybody and not make this essentially act like G5 is a separate subdivision of, of FBS and it just doesn't, you know, they, they, there's just nothing they can do to, to, to crack this thing. And that's what I think we're talking about here, Dan. That comment here from the commissioner this morning of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco. Uh, Mike, uh, I did this crazy thing when the college football playoff committee made their decisions. I did this really weird thing, which is called listening. And when I listened to every word that was said by the chairman on why Ohio State was chosen, 
he said they were chosen for these reasons. And this is not a knock on Ohio State. It's just, it's just, this is what he said. He said, here are the reasons why Ohio State was chosen. They won their conference championship game. They beat two teams ranked in the nation's top 25, and they went undefeated. I sat here and said to myself, wow, it's really crazy that also in the same state of Ohio, there's a team called Cincinnati who won their conference championship game, also beat two top ra- or two top 25 ranked teams, actually three top 25 ranked teams. Dan, I think it's even blue. I don't mean to correct you, but yeah. I think if you look at the teams that they played who were in the top 25, yeah. it's probably four or five. It's definitely UCF. It's definitely Army. I think it's definitely Memphis. Uh, at the very beginning of the season, I think it's uh, it's certainly Tulsa. Uh, you know, that's four right there, and there might be a, a fifth one somewhere. So um, it's even more because I count when, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I count when you played them. Were they in the top twenty, or were they in the top twenty-five at any point in the season? Because as you know, teams come in and out of the top twenty-five. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, they beat two top twenty-five teams. Well, you know, they said the same thing about Iowa State, but but. I made the point, again, not to knock Texas, but does anybody really realistically believe that if they didn't have Texas on their name, that they would have been a top 25 team at 6-3 and three with with questions about the coach, who, who actually is an old friend of mine, and I am glad he stayed, he's staying on. Uh, but the fact is they could have been 5-4, and four, but for an onside kick against Texas Tech. Does anybody think that that team in our league would be, uh, with the Big 12 having lost those three games to the Sun Belt, does anybody think that that team would have been in the top 25 yet? They get credit for that. They get credit for beating a West Virginia team that was 5-4, and 4-4 four, uh, four and four, uh, after they played them and uh, was sixth in the Big 12. Uh, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just think that that's the kind of thing we're dealing with. But you're, you're absolutely right. Please, uh, you know, continue. I apologize for, for the interruption. I just wanted to get that in there. No, and, and I can appreciate that. I mean, it, it's sitting here and listening to – reasoning for one what's good for the goose is supposed to be good for the gander that's how it should be but to say you know okay well Ohio State won their conference championship they beat a couple top 25 ranked teams and they went undefeated and I sat here and said okay well Cincinnati won their conference championship they beat top 25 teams more than two actually and they went undefeated the difference between the two of them is Ohio State's name and Cincinnati's name but Cincinnati also played double the season that Ohio State played. So there's this there's this thought of okay, so they're 9 and 0. They're going toward, you know, 10 games and whatnot. And here's Ohio State that's played 6 and then they go, "Well, you know, Cincinnati missed a couple games. So did Ohio State." Well, you know, they didn't play for a certain amount of time. So did Ohio, Ohio State. State <laughs> right. You so know, Cincinnati missed two games, you know. So when you break it yeah. down and you look at here are all the reasons why we chose Ohio State and here are the things we didn't hold against them. They're, conversely, the reasons why Cincinnati wasn't even thought of, and they hold things against them. So all I can say is when you answer a question, you should probably think about your answer because the direct answer to the question of why Ohio State, not just Ohio State, but why three, not even four, why did they not even barely made it, they made it you know, above Notre Dame, to answer the question and say these are the three pillars of why we chose them, knowing that Cincinnati did the exact same thing, potentially even more so, and then you look at the schedule of Ohio State and say, like, and I agree with you, four out of the six teams that they beat doesn't even matter, not even ranked teams, 
Indiana, they barely got out alive. In Northwestern, they didn't destroy them. They won by 12. So, well, they, no, they won by 12. They were losing 10-6 in the second half. Uh, Northwestern was on the move and unfortunately had a really bad interception at, you know, in the end zone or could have taken a two-score lead. Uh, that game was, was close, and, uh, you know, it's not as though, you know, this was a, a dominant team there because it's got the name on it. And, and they've had their issues. Everybody has, you know. Uh, but the committee overlooks that, didn't overlook the issue with Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati hadn't played in a little while. They had some rust. They, uh, they play a really tough team, very good, tough physical team in the rain in, in really atrocious conditions. And, and they, uh, you know, uh, Tulsa makes some great plays at the end to tie the game. I mean, that long pass with the two defenders right on the guy. What a tremendous play that was. And then the touchdown pass, well covered, great play. But Cincinnati comes back, and Desmond Howard engineers a, a, a tremendous drive in, in the toughest conditions and under the toughest pressure, and, and they win the game. And no, no credit for it. Now nah, they beat Tulsa, you know. And, and that's, that's what really bothers me, Dan. Well, yeah, you know, and I think the thing is, and it happened earlier on in the season when Tulsa – was you know Tulsa had defeated UCF and UCF just went from like I think 12 in the rankings or something like that and then disappeared and they never got back right, right. And, and by the way had a good season lost three games by a, a grand total of 12 points against our three best teams you yeah. know and, and when that happened I spoke with Philip Montgomery about it and he goes you know I, fi- I he's like I take that as disrespect you know he's like you know we 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 do that and it's like, oh, UCF lost to Tulsa. Well, that's terrible. Take them out. And he's like, you know what? You know, how did we deserve that? How do we, how do we earn that? Essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, but the reality of it all, of, I mean, there is a giant, and I think you know we're talking about it with Ohio State and Cincinnati up against each other, saying these are the reasons why we let Ohio State in, but Cincinnati did the same thing, arguably better. So that's going to hit. What else is going to hit is just the reality of. UCF has dealt with it, and I know that you have, you know, spoken about UCF, and I think people that are Cincinnati fans and uh, fans of the American or fans of UCF need to understand something. You came on my show and specifically talked about the egregious offensive things that happened toward UCF at a time where they went 25-0 and in a span where they lost an entire coaching staff, got a new one, and continued to win, and their only loss within that period was without Mackenzie Melton, their starting quarterback, in a game against you know against LSU and everybody wanted to say well LSU didn't have this guy this guy and this guy playing well guess what UCF didn't have their Heisman hopeful playing so which is the biggest most important position on the team right. and changes changed we would have won that game I think easily with Mackenzie Milton on the field and you lost the game by eight you know it's not you didn't lose the game by 40 you didn't lose the game you know going away it was actually a game and shout out to the team for what they were able to do to make it a game. But the and the thing is they go to their third string quarterback and they're still doing well, Dylan Gabriel and you know, but the reality is, Mike, that when we look at the American Athletic Conference, when I look at the American Athletic Conference, I see talent. I see guys that are going to the NFL. I see coaches that know how to coach. I see a lot of great things happening. But the frustration that I have with this is the fact that no matter what these teams do, UCF wins and wins and wins and wins, and everybody goes, oh, that's not a good win. They're not in a good conference. Oh, we don't respect them. Oh, that's not a top team. Oh, it wasn't Alabama. Oh, it wasn't Clemson. 
And then as soon as they get one loss, everybody goes, see, I told you they stink. And that doesn't happen with Clemson. That doesn't happen with Alabama. That doesn't happen with Ohio State. That doesn't happen with Notre Dame. When Notre Dame made the college football playoff, not this time, but last time, when they made it, they had defeated a Syracuse team that was unranked and was out without their starting quarterback. That's the only team they blew out, as well as Florida State, who wasn't good, and we know that they haven't been good for the last few years here. Those were the only two blowouts. They barely beat Ball State. They barely beat Vanderbilt. But because of the name Notre Dame, you go 12-0, and and what the committee has essentially done, and, and, and I want to see what your angle is on this, your thoughts are, what the committee has essentially said is, Every year that Notre Dame goes undefeated, they'll be in the discussion, which is a very slippery slope. The other thing that they have said against the American is, well, you know, the conference isn't tough enough. Well, we don't consider this talent tough enough. Notre Dame doesn't have a conference outside of this year. So there's all of these special rules going on. And every time they say, well, UCF, you can't get in because your conference, but Notre Dame doesn't have one. Well, Cincinnati, you got to do these three things that Ohio State did. Well, you did them. Well, it doesn't matter. Double standards are all over this college football playoff committee, yet here we sit today, and we've talked about UCF, and we've talked about Cincinnati, and I've seen the Houstons, and I've seen the Memphises do what they have done, and yet here we are this morning saying what's good for the goose is absolutely positively, for whatever reason, not good for the gander. Well, Dan, I, th- I think that's well put, and I, you know, you would expect me to agree, but I, I think you've made legitimate points. It's not just me; you know, others have, have uh, said these kinds of things. I can I can point out a couple of things of, along the lines of what you said. When um, I don't know whether it was the year Notre Dame got in the playoff or not, it may have been. Was it 2018? I don't remember. And they got they lost to Clemson 30 to to three. I think it was. Uh, they beat Pittsburgh 19 to 14, and I think it was at home. Uh, UCF beat Pittsburgh 45 to 14, and it was not. It was 45-7, but for a very late, meaningless touchdown by Pitt. And Mackenzie Milton said, "We're better." And okay, compare those two scores. You know, they they it was a boat race. You know, as they, as they say, and 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 yet Notre Dame squeaks by Pitt. Just like the year that uh, Houston in 2015, I, I referenced, Houston beat Vanderbilt 34 nothing, totally dismantled them. Vanderbilt went into the swamp and, and lost on a late field goal to Florida 9-7. They were leading 7-6 and lost on a late field goal. Think about that. That same Vanderbilt team got totally destroyed by Houston. Didn't matter. Committee didn't care. They didn't, they didn't want to compare scores and say, wow. Houston seems pretty good, and when Houston played in the in the Peach Bowl against a number eight or nine ranked Florida State, which had lost a very tough game on the road at Clemson, uh, well, and Clemson I think went to the playoff that year and ended up in the national championship game. Uh, well, then of course Houston's going to lose big favorite uh, Florida State. Well, Houston was ahead twenty one three at the half and won by two touchdowns, and it was no fluke when you look at all the great players they had, but. This committee is supposed to be a, a series of, of football experts. I've programmed football for 30 years, 35 years, whatever it's been, between ESPN and ABC. Excuse me. Uh, yes, uh, you know, ESPN. I really didn't do it for ABC. I did it for ESPN, and then I did it for CBS. And I programmed everybody in college football. And then on, at CBS, it was primarily the SEC. And, and I know college football. You know college football. I've watched it since I was a little kid. I love the sport. 
one of my favorite sports. Uh, it's become probably my favorite sport in many respects. You know, college football and basketball are, are two of my favorite sports. And, you know, I think I look at this and I say, well, I can look at all these different things. I can compare scores. I can compare results. I can, you know, I knew that UCF had a good team in 17 and had a lot of great players and could play competitively. Uh, you know, when Baylor played uh, US UCF back in 13, they had us all convinced it was going to be a 40-something blowout. Nobody could stop Baylor's offense. They ripped, ripped through the Big 12. And UCF had Blake Bortles and Storm Johnson, a bunch of other great receivers, too, as well as Storm as a running back. And, and look what happened in that game. And it opened your eyes. You know, it wasn't even close. I mean, they just kept piling it on. You know, they ended up with 52 points. Um, and so I've seen the results, and yet, you know, you don't seem to get credit for it. In addition, it's amazing this league has done as well as it's done when, you know, the, the, the door to the playoff is closed. And you can tell recruits, if you're a P5, well, don't go to a G5 school. They have no chance to go to the playoff. And so you'll never be on the so-called big stage and blah, blah, blah. So it's we have to recruit differently and we recruit extremely well. We're getting much better players. It's a great league. It's a league that's gained respect. Uh, you know, we've got coaches in this league who, who happen to know something about the P5. Luke Fickle coached Ohio State and uh, Dana Holgerson was in the Big 12 for how many years and then Sonny Dykes was in the P5 and coached at Cal and they know how good the league is and, and Tommy Tuberville said to me at one point several years ago when he was coaching Cincinnati, he said, you know, the players aren't different here. He said, we've got great players here uh, and, and he coached Auburn and he coached at the very highest level could have won the national championship but for the fact that they couldn't get into the playoffs because of the bcs and uh you know tommy's now a, a u.s he'll be a u.s senator and he is he said you know good players here you know i don't notice a, a difference and uh you know that's what we're up against the other thing is i've, I've never touted uh, our teams when i didn't think they were necessarily playoff worthy and, and it doesn't mean that they weren't good. Now, last year, Memphis was a good team. And, and by the way, they played toe-to-toe with Penn State in that bowl game. Anybody who watched that bowl game knew that, that they belonged on the same field. They could have won the game. It was 45-39 with a key third down play. To give Penn State credit, they made the play and then went on to score. It was 38-36, you know, uh, late, late in the third quarter. And then there was a turnover. Uh, and they played without their right tackle and their great tight end, Joey Magnifico. Both of them had played the whole season, but for some, you know, uh, they had injuries and could not play that, that game. And believe me, had they played the six field goals that Riley Patterson kicked, which is pretty remarkable, uh, might have been uh, three of those four of them might have been touchdowns, and who knows. But the point is, they went toe to toe with the Penn State team that clearly was in playoff consideration last year. Right. They, they clearly would have been in the playoff consideration and lost that tough game to, to up at Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, we've been able to, to stand our ground with anyone, and, and I expect Cincinnati-Georgia to be a good game. That'll be a very tough game because Georgia's uh, much better now with uh, JT Daniels playing quarterback. That's a tough test for, for uh, Cincinnati. They will not shrink from that test. You know, they'll face it just like all our teams have. But Last year, you know, Memphis clearly had a loss to Temple, and, and clearly uh, Cincinnati had a loss. It wasn't like they, they lost Ohio State last year. They weren't going to be in the playoff, and I wasn't out there saying they should be in the playoff because they're one-loss teams, and you've, you've put a lot of one-loss teams in. I could have said that, but, I, you know, you, you want to maintain credibility, and I thought last year, okay, we're probably not in the playoff hunt. 
do I think our teams necessarily need to go undefeated to be in the playoff? No, I don't believe so, but, but everybody else does. The committee certainly does. If you're not undefeated, you don't even have a shot to be in the, in the committee's top 10 if you're in our league. But with these other teams, you can have two losses and three losses and easily be in the top 10. No problem at all because you're G5 and it doesn't matter who you played either you know you can play a an LSU team that has the great name but everybody knows it was a team that was completely depleted and uh you know you can beat them or lose to them and no problem you're not going to drop um so again let's just look at the facts let's just look at, at the reality of this situation and you know I didn't I didn't Houston probably in 2016 would have had a claim to the playoff because they they, they, you know, soundly beat a, a top Oklahoma team with three at the time, stopped Baker Mayfield cold, beat uh, Louisville, which was, I think, fifth at the, in the country at the time, 36-10, 31 nothing at the half, uh, sacked uh, Lamar Jackson, another Heisman winner, 10 times. But they did not, you know, uh, they stumbled in our conference, which shows that the conference had some tough competition, you know, and, and so they were not ultimately uh, – I didn't think, you know, they, they were a playoff team, and so I didn't tout them, even though I could have said at one point they had two losses, but look at their wins. Look at their wins. But the teams that have two losses, you know, the teams that have two losses, just, you know, in, if you're in a P5, you're fine. In, in our league, you're not. Even if you've beaten teams, even if you've beaten teams like, you know, Louisville and, and Oklahoma in the same year. And so I couldn't really, you know, tout them for the, for the playoff. Uh, so you try to maintain credibility, but when we've had elite teams like these UCF teams, uh, if that Houston team had gone undefeated, certainly would have would have had a shot. Probably, I kind of wonder now whether they would have really had a shot based on what's been happening. Um, and then uh, you know you have um, the situation this year, which I think brought it to a head. So that's where we are, Dan. And I, you know I don't know where it's going. I. You know, I, I do think it, it might get solved eventually if this playoff expands. And this, ironically, is probably a good reason to uh, to expand the playoff. There's no question that there'll be talk about it. It's on the back burner right now, but it'll come back once the pandemic uh, you know goes away. And I, and I think it, that would – our goal then would shift to being an automatic uh, qualifier as opposed to having to fight with a group of, of P5 teams when I think our conference is tougher. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati, if Tulsa had uh, won this game, Cincinnati would not, even though with one loss and having a great season, probably wouldn't have ended up on New Year's Day. It would have probably been Coastal Carolina because they were undefeated. I, I, do I think would, would Cincinnati win that game if they played? I think so, but that's just my opinion. You know, some people might have a different opinion. Uh, remember, uh, Houston was a middle-level team in our conference, Um uh, and you know what happened when they played Cincinnati. But yet, they were beating BYU 26-14 in the second half. And, and they were leading 26-21 in the fourth quarter. And it was a three-point game with three minutes left. Uh, and so, and again, you know, that was the BYU. And that's the BYU team that, you know, had that close loss to, uh, to Coastal Carolina. So do I think a Cincinnati team, you know, healthy and, and you know, in their normal rhythm would would, would – have a pretty good shot in a game like that, yeah. But I don't know that the you know the committee's looking at it the way the way we are, and and that's uh, we just have to keep fighting, Dan, and that's all you can do. That coming from the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco. Mike, before I let you go, what is the answer? You know, you you're you're out there, you know, talking points that make sense. You know, you and I 
don't discuss before the show me saying, hey, Mike, have this, this, and this. Like, when I when I say to you what I'm saying, you don't know what I'm going to ask. You have no idea what I'm going to say. And you don't give me one or two points. You got 12, 13, 14. You're rattling these things off. They say beat the SEC, you've done it. They say beat the Big 12, you've done it. They say beat the Pac-12, you've done it. They say beat the ACC, you've done it. They say go undefeated, you've done it. They say, you know, recruit well, send guys to the NFL, you've done it. I mean, over and over and over again, you're hitting all the pillars that being asked to hit. And when they turn around and tell you about the rankings, this is what gets me. You don't have control over the rankings. The Associated Press has it. The coaches have it. And at the end of the day, the college football playoff committee has it. You have no control over the rankings. So for them to say, well, you got to stay in the top five, that's up to them. Well, you got to stay in the top 10, that's up to them. And so there's a there's a couple final pieces I want to get to, but I have to ask you this question. How do you fight the rankings battle when you're not in control of the rankings? The things you are in control of, like I just mentioned, that which you are in control of, you have taken care of. That which you are not in control of, the rankings, you, ha- you, you can't do anything about that but hope when you go undefeated, when your team plays well, how does it feel to have the Big Ten, as an example, this year, not even be playing for four weeks, and Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, all rent Minnesota, all ranked in the nation's top 25, taking up spots in the top 25 at zero and zero. Michigan rose four spots from one week to the next, having not even played a game. Yet Cincinnati consistently dropped in the college football playoff rankings for winning. How does that make sense? Well, it doesn't. And um, look, I, I thought that the polls were silly to include teams that hadn't even played it down. And, and Big 12, by the way, didn't play for basically almost two months. Or, excuse me, the, the Big 10, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, didn't play for almost two months. And uh, the Pac-12 didn't even start till, And they, they did seem to be penalized to some degree. Uh, but, but obviously the Big 10 was not. Uh, but both of them missed essentially half the, the season in terms of real time. And then Ohio State misses three of its eight games. Uh, and, and doesn't play a stellar schedule, but no problem. It's not a problem, but it is a problem for Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati has, has a lot of NFL players on the roster. They're, they're, they're going to have guys playing on Sunday who are, who are good players. Um, and, you know, I don't know that that, that matters. What, what is very discouraging right now is that I thought public opinion has been galvanized. Uh, media opinion has been almost universal, and it doesn't – it doesn't. It hasn't affected this committee at all, and the proof is this week when they doubled down on what they were doing because Oklahoma State narrowly beats Iowa State, but they have two losses also, and and one of them is not a good one. Uh, they're they're they jump over, uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati. They did the exact same thing that everybody was criticizing them for for two weeks. So even though I thought that that bringing media pressure to bear would make a difference that would have some impact and we've had a chance to talk to the committee reps and told them exactly what i've been telling you and that didn't seem ultimately to matter it just didn't um so you know that that's what's frustrating and i don't know what what can change that how did they respond when you got to speak with them not not to interrupt but how did they respond things yeah we'll convey those those things to the committee and we'll you know yeah you, you we really respect your league you got a great league yeah well to me, it's it's just it's just lip service now, because they, they clearly uh, clearly don't, and uh, they say that, but the actions speak as you know much louder than words. 
So we'll see, Dan. I've got to run, but uh, you know, I uh, I appreciate as usual, Dan, the you know, the time and effort. And you're right. I don't um, I don't get your questions in advance. I don't know what you're going to ask me. Uh, you know, uh, but you know our league. You you've watched us. You uh, you know, and, and you're fair minded. And we've had other other uh, commentators, other observers, other writers uh, who have been very fair to us and, and when we're not good you know we say we're not good and if we but this league has been good this league has always had really good teams throughout i mean really good teams uh right from the very beginning right from the time we reinvented the league in 2013 with ucf which won a game at penn state on the road and, and won a game at louisville come from behind victory to a essentially a one loss louisville team that year uh, and it had, the year before it gone to the Sugar Bowl, and sure enough, uh, you know, it didn't really get any respect. You know, even though they there was no playoff at the time, we had an automatic bid, but everybody thought they'd be destroyed in their in their Fiesta Bowl game. And of course, you saw what happened. Uh, nobody, I, you know, they they almost beat South Carolina that year. South Carolina escaped, and I remember Spurrier, Steve Spurrier may have said, I don't know, I want to play here again, you know. Uh, it was a tough game, and uh, so that was a, that's the only loss they had all year. That was a really good team, but they didn't get the respect either. So this league's been good from the very get-go, and in 2014, we had th- th- tri-champions, and we had a, a close loss in Ireland by UCF on, on a last-second Penn State field goal. And then we had, uh, you know, we had a Memphis team that lost by by seven out at UCLA and uh, lost a tough game at Ole Miss when they were really good and, and, and lost one game in the conference and didn't end up getting the New Year's Day bid and should have and then beat BYU, a really good BYU in the bowl game. And, and I'll, I'll close. I, I do have to run. I'm sorry. But uh, I'll close by just saying, look, you know, this isn't a... a uh, this isn't a, a new story for Cincinnati. This this has been um, something that's been in the making now for for several, a few years. They were they've been they've won eleven games the, the previous two years. Uh, they they beat uh, Virginia Tech in a bowl game two years ago. They beat uh, BC badly in a bowl game last year, thirty four six, and it wasn't even that close. They went out and they beat UCLA two years in a row. They went out and beat them. A couple of years ago in the Rose Bowl, beat them last year in the uh, at home, and, and the score wasn't as, as you know the game wasn't as close as, as the final score. Uh, it's not like Cincinnati hasn't done this, and uh, they're you know they're just an outstanding team, and we'll uh, you know we'll just keep fighting, Dan. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. You just make your points. If you think you've made them legitimately, that's that's really all you can do. That coming from Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Times need to change. It looks like the expansion is inevitable. And if in this case with the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and other places that might feel disrespected at this point, maybe that helps out the American in a greater discussion with a group of people coming together and a group of conferences coming together saying enough is enough. Mike, as always, I appreciate your time. I know you spent a lot of time with us here this morning. I know we got a lot of reasons and it sounds like you know, something that makes a lot of sense going into a system that doesn't. So got to find a way to get out of this one with some positivity and some fairness. And I wish you, uh, you know, as always, a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. And, and I thank you for being a part of the show as as you always have been. And I look forward to talking with you very soon. And hopefully things will get better. But I know that these teams have bowl games and I know that they'll show up. So Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you, Dan. I uh, uh, hope you and your family and all your, your listeners have a, a happy and a safe holiday. You know, I hope these 
vaccines are around the corner. They appear to be, and I think maybe we can finally put this, you know, this behind. It's been a challenging year, but I hope uh, again you and, and and yours and everybody listening has has a great holiday season and stays stays well. That's the key thing. And uh, thanks again, as usual, Dan, for having me and letting me talk about some of the issues, uh, you know, with our conference. Always much appreciated and appreciate you and and, uh, what you do for the sport and your your knowledge uh, that you always bring to this and and your goodwill. I think you're fair minded and uh, that's that's important. Uh, So thanks again. And uh, again, uh, have have a great holiday season. All right, Mike. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. So long, Dan. See you.